don't we delve into it? Why don't we delve into, um, I think just in general, there's differences between how we as veterinarian professionals approach situations versus the human profession. And and I'm going to be a little controversial here because there are those that, that really feel that the human medical world can actually learn a lot about veterinarians and how we deal with things, um, not only from communication standards, but, you know, end of life and, uh, you know, passing and, and hospice care and everything like that. So, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on how this, it, it's, it's like a team effort. So you have you, your team, the pet parent and the patient, and you're dealing with the case versus how, and I don't want to criticize your care. I'm sure the care that you received was excellent, but it seemed like there was a lot of alone and that your camaraderie came through speaking with the other patients there. Or if, if Mike had, had joined you there beside you, your husband, right? It's just, that's the sense I got as versus when a pet's getting their chemo, that they're, they're being snuggled by one tech, right? You're there and the whole team's there. And it, to me, it creates a completely different environment. I wanted your take right. on that. Yeah, well, we actually had one um, is a uh, really overweight, darling, like four, maybe, I don't know, three or four year old um, female bulldog named Amy. And I don't know if you remember that song on the radio. I'm not going to completely, you know, it was like a, maybe like a 60s or 70s type folk, you know, um, Amy, what you're going to do? Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, we yeah. would literally yeah. sing that song in the back. And I remember, again, her father was very stoic. <laughs> and I would, I one time told him this and he was just silent. I think he thought we were crazy. But, you know, the, the bulldog would wag its stubby little tail and its rear end. And she would be all excited because we were singing her her little happy song. Um um, you know, it, it's, uh, I too will be controversial. You know, I, I, I commend the human profession. They are in certain aspects, leaps and bounds, you know, further from us in terms of knowledge and technology. And thank God, you know, I got the best of care. Like I cannot say enough good about it, but there are some things, um, that, that they could learn from us, just like we learned from them. And, uh, I was, one time um, uh, euthanizing a family's Labrador, and it had actually lived for seven years with metastatic uh, cancer. It was quite, wow. It just beat the odds. It did great. Yeah. And the father uh, uh, is a pediatrician, and his son was just uh, in his senior year of medical school, and the mother was there. And um, at the end of it, their son said to me, actually, no, it was after they went home and we had sent them flowers and um, the family had called the next day and they said that their son had said, I learned more about compassion in that, you know, 30 minute endeavor, um, you know, with Dr. A, then I have learned in my four years of medical school. Wow. And so I think sometimes we as veterinarians or just as, as veterinary medicine in general, you know, the technical staff, nursing, we just maybe bring a bit more, as a whole, compassionate view. Um, I think too sometimes, just my opinion of course, that human medicine has become so specialized that they lose sight of the whole patient. Whereas 
as veterinarians, even if, you know, I'm just doing oncology or my husband's just doing ophthalmology, we still treat that whole patient. And I think we, at least for as an oncologist, I get to know that family because we're treating that entire family dynamic, not just the signs and symptoms of the disease. Um, you know, one of the things that bothered me is um, when I asked any of my doctors, radiation oncologist, medical oncologist, surgeon, nobody was willing to tell me what the odds were. Whereas in veterinary medicine, you bring your dog to me, I can tell you the percent chance that he goes into remission, and I can tell you based on months or days or you know weeks or years what that you know what those odds are of reaching those numbers. Um, and I understand from the human uh, profession, you know, they said it doesn't matter what the masses do. You know, if you're that 10% who who, you know, is very unfortunate, if you're that 20% who hits it out of the park, you know, it really doesn't matter because it's just you. And I get that. I think though, for me as type A and, you know, kind of a scientist, um, I wanted to know because I wanted to know what the benchmark was so that I could do better. Um, But I also get that if they had said, oh my goodness, you know, there's a, you know, big chance that people with this don't do well, that might have just brought me down and and certainly they don't want that. Yeah, it's well it's interesting because uh I, I was wondering if a lot of this actually has to do with liability concerns they have. I'm sure right? probably that some we don't, yes. we don't really deal with, right? You know, it's right. like I every time I get the silent type treatment, and I agree with you. I I get that on, on my end as well from from the human profession. I always wonder, is there some form of liability concern that they have, you know, and uh yeah. And it, it, but it then it becomes detrimental for care, right? Patient care, right? Correct. Correct. And the, and the other thing I, that made me think when you're talking about chances, I always think about like the Star Trek episodes. We have a two percent chance of this being successful, <laughs> and it works, right? It works. Exactly. So like, yeah, Correct. beat the odds. No, but Correct. you're absolutely right. And what, yeah. when I do tell clients about seeing oncologists, I say they're going to tell you exactly what the percentages are based yes. on what you decide to do. And it's like, Correct. it's interesting, right? Because that, that's one of the first yes. questions these people want to know, right? What, yes. what are the chances? Because I need to know whether yep. it's personal, financial, whatever. I need to know. Yes. So yeah, that's an excellent, excellent yeah. answer. What, go I ahead. think medical insurance, right, that people have, right, that also handcuffs a lot of physicians. Whereas we are so fortunate right now, and hopefully we won't ever have to deal with it that way, right, to have a third party payer for us because we don't have those limitations we don't um and i I think it's much better medicine it's much freer atmosphere if we don't have that. oh and way more communicative because like it's like if if someone is if a third party is dictating where you go for the next steps and and i'm your gp and i don't know who that person is how can i guide right like to me it's always about you know and that's the other thing i love about vet medicine is it's i always say we're one degree of separation from where we've got the world it's like you know, I know you through Mike, right? We, we pass across that animal. Like, it's like, I think everyone is familiar to me. So it's like, even if I really don't personally know a specialist that I refer, I kind of know them, right? You know what I right. mean? It's like, or know of them, or I can find out really quickly right? yes. <laughs> by making a phone call or text, right? So it's one of those things that I, that I think is, is fortunate about the vet profession. Yeah. And I, I think that's an area. I think communication is huge and it's, it's, it's not there. It's like it until the invention of these 
um, portals for my own medical health. I'm really not getting answers or looking at things unless I go into my own portal and go. So, you know, I'm being a vet. I'm looking at my. Oh, okay. Oh, that's what we do. Right. It's our our nature. It's our inquisitive nature. um, As veterinarians do. 